This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This month, we are taking a look back at the Goofy movie to see if our nostalgia is warranted. Now, Sarah, you're the one who chose this movie, so you're going to have to provide for us a 60-second synopsis telling our audience what the plot of this movie is in a minute or less. Now, Mark, can you set up a timer? Because I don't have my phone. Carl, what year is it and you don't have a phone with you? I I don't carry it <laughs> with me all the time. It's on my kitchen table getting charged right now. Uh, it's like you're an old man or something. <laughs> Mark, you're the oldest man alive. It's so true. I do have a timer ready, though. So. Alright, give Sarah a countdown and let's go. Three, two, one, go. Max Goof is the son of Goofy the Goofy, and he causes trouble at school by doing this weird dance dressing up as this pop star at school. It spirals out of the control while trying to get a date with his crush, Roxanne, um, where he lies and says he's going to end up on stage with said pop star at a concert because he's too ashamed to say that he just can't make their date and he's going on a camping trip with his father because his father is embarrassing because he's Goofy. Through a whole camping trip mishaps and father-son fighting and their car falling in a river and all sorts of things, Max and Goofy learn to get along as father and son because his mom is dead. And Goofy eventually helps him get to the concert where he does end up on stage with Powerline and uh, impresses the pop star with his fishing dance moves. And in the end, everyone's happy and he dates Roxanne. Roxanne! Now, you said... She said a lot of things, but let's get into it. You said it. that they, they fix up their father-son relationship because his mom died. Well, no. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yep, that is the it's main not- cause of this film. Let's get into long form of what we saw as died. adults that we may have missed. I just children. realized at some point I should say, the mom is dead. Goofy yeah. has no yeah. wife anymore. And well, I that's, <laughs> that's something that's never addressed. Like, they don't even have pictures of the mom in their That's home. because they'd ha- the animators would have to figure out what a female goof looks like, and I don't think they wanted to do that. Yeah, but they had other dog creatures in vehicles that looked exactly like Goofy, but other yes. dogs. Now, this so... is something I want to get to. Goofy's a dog. Goofy is and a if dog. If Goofy's a dog, what is Pluto? We This no, no, is no. a whole thing. It's a whole thing, and we haven't talked about it on the podcast, so let's get to it. We've had this discussion as human beings before, but not this on the show. This is like how Hello Kitty has a pet cat. What? Hello Kitty has a pet cat. She has a slave child? No! There are but, humanoid... There but, are sentient animals, and there are non-sentient animals. What does animals. Pluto have to do... He's not even in this movie. I know he's not in the movie, but <laughs> in this world, in the world of Mickey Mouse, some dogs are treated as humans, and some dogs are treated as pets. Yeah, because some dogs can talk and understand English and do math and hold jobs, and some dogs can't. Some dogs are just dogs. 
I think some Pluto humans can't do understands math English. Jobs. Pluto just can't talk. No, Pluto. Pluto is just a dog. He's a cartoon <laughs> dog, but he's just a dog. But he he responds in the way that like Scooby Doo responds to commands, where he understands everything that is said. He just can't speak in like language that Scooby Doo can speak. Well, he says Ruby, Ruby, Roo. I don't think <laughs> that, other that qualifies. He says other things. And also, Scooby is still a pet. Yeah. That's not great <laughs> <Yeah>. either. <laughs> Anywho, at least in that world, he's a pet of human beings and not other dogs. But, <laughs> but he's not but a, he's pet, not of a, a dog. pet of a dog. He's a pet of a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. Yes. Anywho, I just wanted to bring that up at the start. But we could get to this actual film. Let's see, where do we want to start with these things? Sometimes uh, but like, it's good that was, to start at the beginning. That was my first it, note on my page. The fact that I, Max... Literally, it says, a goofy movie. Disney, of course. Uh, open a title screen. First comment, are these dogs? I read a thing once where someone said something about Goofy being a cow, and I'm like, who thinks Goofy is a cow? Well, there is... <sighs> That one that I don't remember her name. Clarabelle? That's the one. I guess they don't really look exactly the same. The noses are different, but they're like the same color scheme and stuff. So brown? I guess I could see that. <laughs> He's not brown. Okay. Also, what type of dog is Goofy? A dog. A hound dog. <laughs> okay. Probably like a bloodhound or something like that. Because the, the character model for these dogs in this world for like um pete and goofy are like completely black bodies with gloved hands and then like a little bit of coloration in the face pete is probably some sort of bulldog goofy no because roxanne's dad was a bulldog we know what bulldogs there are so that different means that types of bulldogs. bulldogs there's different types of bulldogs there's french bulldogs there's american bulldogs there's english bulldogs there are different types of bulldogs but I would say Pete is some sort of bully breed. <laughs> he is a bully, thick, for sure. Thick-bodied dog. But Goofy, I would definitely say he has the hound bump. He's like probably a bloodhound or something like that. He's got the long face, the hump on the head, long ears, some sort of hound dog. Have, can we talk about how Max is voiced by someone we have dealt with before? Great. Yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about the voices of this film. He's, he's, he's Binks the cat from... He's Binks the cat? Yes. Wait, so he's... He's Jason Marsden, who has voiced like literally a million things. Um, Marsden? Now, you say that, I recognized one of the other voices immediately. Actually, two of the other voices. Oh, actually, like, a ton of these voices are very popular 90s. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's a guy Um, in this who's been in another film um, we've done for the podcast. Roxanne's friend is from Blossom. And then there's not Pauly Shore, but Pauly Shore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is it not really Pauly Shore? I don't think it is. No, I, think it I, is I looked Paul at the Holly cast list. I didn't see his name anywhere on the IMDb cast list. I'm, so. I'm pretty sure Polly Shore is Cheese Whiz guy. Well, maybe yeah. he is, but if he is, He's he wasn't credited. Uncredited Polly so. Shore is Bobby the Cheese Whiz guy. Uh, and then the other one, of course, is Wallace Shawn, who plays the oh. principal. Well, that's also true. There were uh, uh, two others. Well,. Does, I does mean, Jim, Jim does Cummings Jim is Cummings just be- every Disney movie. And I mean, he's been Pete's voice yeah. since eternity. But his son... 
I don't I don't know the actor I don't know the actor's name, but it was Uh, Rob Paulson. He was um, Raphael in the Ninja Turtles cartoon. He's also Pinky Uh, from Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Carl. He did a lot of Animaniacs. Who me? Yeah, he's he's a huge. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of talented voice actors. Um, Kelly Martin, I know she was the voice of Roxanne. She she was a character in ER that traumatized me. If anyone watched ER in the 90s and remembers Nurse Lucy, they will understand what I mean. Alright, I sure don't, and I don't want you to explain. You know what is funny, though, is that you mentioned that Roxanne's friend was somebody from Blossom... Which mm-hmm. I was not aware of because I didn't pay attention to. I mean, her. the character but dresses the outfit like she was exactly. Been. As soon as I saw her, I was like, "Hey, look, it's Blossom." <laughs> so. uh, sh- she was the friend six. Is that her name? I, d- I didn't it, remember her name. Oh, the friend had had a stupid name that was not a real name. I think it was a nickname. Okay. I remember very little about Blossom except Blossom or hats. Um, the friend had a weird name, and Joey Lawrence, who was also said, in this movie, said, "Whoa." A lot. Good and great. Getting back to this film. Start of this film, well, one of the running themes I liked in this film is that, like, for such a dumb character, and Goofy is very much a dumb character, he's a slapstick humor, uh, he's comic relief in the Mickey Mouse gang, it did have some really, like, touching moments and some true-to-life things where Max's greatest fear is that he's going to become his father. Because he, while he loved his father as a kid, he's now growing up, and he's discovering that Goofy is embarrassing. Goofy's very comfortable with who he is, but Max is trying to make his own life, and he's afraid of having the reputation well, that his father has. It's the same has. thing as every teenager. Your father will embarrass you sometimes on purpose. And, <laughs> and well, I don't think Goofy's doing he, it on purpose. I think he's just purpose. being super sincere in the way that he approaches the world. Right, and he doesn't it doesn't bother him how other people see him, but it embarrasses his son, which is very true to normal life. Yeah, so like the beginning of this film, Max is having a dream about kissing Roxanne, the girl he has a crush on, and he literally transforms into his father, and it's like his worst nightmare. Oh, and this transformation is horrible, because it happens in pieces where his teeth become real big first, and then like he, like his arm shoots out, and then his leg does, and like the slow transformation is real body hard. It's like the cartoon version of uh, American Werewolf in London that we watched. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> Let's not get into that again, because... <laughs> yeah, no, you have real opinions. No, no, it's not me. It's the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I... I found, like, especially at the start of this film, I had forgotten that, like, this film has some actual emotional moments to it, and it's not just all goof-goof fart joke. I don't know how you forgot about this. It's the entire movie. I saw this when I was a kid. I remembered the Leaning Tower of Cheesa. Yep. That's all I remember. The Sad Soup Can? I didn't remember the songs in this, Sarah. I didn't I didn't remember that this was a musical. So, I guess I was going to say I didn't either, except that uh, I never actually watched this. So, how I I am slightly older than you two. So, at at the time period that this movie came out, I was at that age, basically, of Max, where... Disney cartoons were for little kids, and I was too cool for those, so I wasn't going to watch them anymore. 
So I never really watched this one when it was out. Um, but I, it's funny because that's how I kind of view it now while I'm seeing it now. I'm like, hey, that was me when I was that age. <laughs> but, but you can also really sympathize with Goofy. I didn't really know that it was a musical. I remember seeing the ads for it back then. And it was all about, oh, it's Goofy being Goofy. And then the Leaning Tower of Cheesa and all these mm -hmm. weird, like, jokes so I didn't know what I was getting into when I started watching this a week ago. Yeah, the uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is uh, one of the issues I have with the film. And it's a, it's a small thing. It has nothing to do with the cartoon physics, which I'll probably mention. But like, we're in a cartoon world. That part doesn't bother me. For the the construction of this conceit, Max is trying to get the girl. Like, he's got a crush on Roxanne. He wants to start a relationship with Roxanne. And Roxanne's into him. Like, there is no barriers whatsoever for him to start a relationship with her. Except, like, he gets in trouble. He has to go on the camping trip. What bothers me is the level of lie that he tells before leaving on the camping trip. Because he does lie and say that, well, we're leaving so that I can go to a Powerline concert. And that's good enough. Roxanne is already on board with that, because it means that he, the only reason he can't go on a date with her is that they're, he's getting the chance to go to this amazing concert. But then he continues. It's just like, not only am I going to the concert, my dad knows Powerline, and I'll be on stage for the final song. Now, but do you think that that is unusual for a boy trying to woo their crush i and now you say she's into him which is true yeah. we see it as the audience i think he was too embarrassed around her to notice it at all that could be true. up to it he's and then, friends with Polly shore he totally doesn't notice when it. he was <laughs> when he was at before this part happened him lying to her he performed as Powerline in the school auditorium to try to impress her but he didn't want people to know that it was him, so I don't know how that would have really impressed her into liking him if she didn't know that it was him in the first place, until he did get caught eventually. But, <laughs> And that was part of the reason she started to like him. Well, I think she already did, but that was right, something right. that impressed her more, was because she's like, oh, look what you did. We learn at the end of the film she liked him in their real their meat cute where he can't say anything and it said he does like the the goofy <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was better you got yeah. it on the second try <laughs> yeah i i haven't practiced it <laughs> that's better maybe i don't know it does sound like i'm swallowing and throwing up at the same time i think the second one was the best all right well we might keep them all in there we might not we'll see hmm <laughs> So, the reason this bothers me is, one, why would you lie about, like, if you're already lying about going to the concert, what, why would you lie that you're going to be on stage? Like, if you're just lying that you're going to go to the concert, that's an easy one to fake. Telling them that you're going to be on stage at a concert is way harder to fake. It was a shame spiral. The other thing is that, like, Max already has the girl, and, like... In most movies, the story is all about how the couple gets together. And in this movie, they're, they can already be together. There's no barriers there. And then it's just trying to keep that throughout the film. 
I think the barrier, though, is that when he says that they're leaving for the vacation, she's like, well, I guess I'll just go with somebody else, and then he's so worried about losing her to someone else while he's gone that he has to... But, again, I don't know why having this fantastic story suddenly means she won't do go to a party with someone else, but... Because he's now a celebrity. Right. He's got to be on stage. And everyone will get to see him at the party. And then I can point to him and say, see that guy? He likes me. Anywho, that's really my only issue with this, is the construction of the plot. The conceit of the entire thing. But, like, for what is essentially a road trip movie, it's pretty good. Like, that road trip stuff, it's fairly classic. And, like, two people are getting along throughout their journey. They start to bond. Like, it works. It's fairly simple in that this is a Mickey Mouse cartoon, but, like, in its simplicity, it does what it sets out to do. I got distracted when they started singing. Uh, number one, because Max's singing voice is different from his speaking voice, which is normal for a lot of cartoons, but it was just different enough that it didn't sound right to me. But also because... This was voiced by the normal Goofy from the 90s, and I have heard him singing other songs, so while he's singing in this movie, I keep hearing other songs in the back of my head, because I know that voice singing other songs. So, I, not that that's a problem, it was just a little bit distracting every time they started singing, because I was thinking about other things. Now, was this the... It wasn't the opening... Well, not even the opening number. It wasn't Max performing, right? Because he's lip-syncing there. No, no, no. When they're on the highway. In the car right? when they're yeah. singing to each other about how they don't want to... He does, Max doesn't want to be there, but Goofy is all excited about the Because Powerline is performed by an actual R&B pop singer. And oh, yeah. Max's That's voice very clear. is done they're by great. Aaron Lore who is a musical theater performer for for the people who we haven't gotten to this movie yet but people yet have wanted us to uh Aaron Lore is an actor from Newsies he played Mush um now his, are now those people who want us to get to that are they just you Sarah no, I uh, my sister has recommended it, and one other person recommended it, but I don't remember who it was. But he played Mush, and he's now married to Idina Menzel. He was in Rent the movie. He he is a musical theater actor, but he does the singing voice for Max. Just there's there's my my singing. I'm trying thing. to remember which one is Mush. Uh, the kind of gruff one who uh, do, do has, they have a solo? At all? They all have. If they have a name, they have a solo. All right. What part does he sing? I, I can't be specific. That's what I'm asking. Is it the guy Aren't who... they all kind of the gruff ones in that movie? No, because <laughs> Crutchy is the sad, well, disabled yeah. one, and, and then, Racetrack and is then the gambler. David, Davey, David is, so is, is he the, the guy who goes, that, so that's what you call a family, father, mother, daughter? No, 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 no. Christian Bale! <laughs> I've never seen it! What?! I've listened to the music. Um, I think I know who you're talking about, but I I probably wouldn't recognize his hair voice. And, um, but he's not the one with the eye patch, and he's not the one on crutches, and he's not the guy from uh from oh Doogie Hauser. He's not the guy from Doogie Hauser. Neil Patrick Harris. No, the friend, <laughs> the friend with the Boston accent. Uh, is in Newsies. He plays racetrack, and he's the cheeky gambler. 
who sings oh, the solo. Oh, maybe he's the one I'm thinking of. And he then. sings the solo in King of New York. And he's my favorite yeah, character. Yeah, he and was he's the also, one I was thinking of. He's also, also New York. He's also the anyway. original Timon in the Broadway version of Lion King. Anyway, uh, one of my notes of that first song I wanted to bring up was animators tend to have a lot of fun when they're like making an entire movie and hiding things. There's tons of Disney references in mm-hmm. this. Like in this song, you have the Mickey and Donald cameo where they're they're hitching on the road for whatever reason. Like they're having their own separate adventure. You're talking about the road trip song. Not yeah, I thought you were talking about the auditorium power line. The first line. song no, no, the is the first trip. power line song. Yeah, correct. I was saying, Mark pointed out, yeah, the voice yeah. has changed from Max's first song. That's where I was picking up. Anyway, in this song, song in, the movie. in this song on the highway, is that better? Yeah. Um, in the, like, it features prominently, but it's always, like, not the focus of the scene. But it's very clear that while this number is going on, there is a trunk that is open. There's a man bound and gagged in that trunk. And he's, like, that person is clearly, like, being sent to sleep with the fishes. And he just, like, he's just hanging out and, like, grooving along with the song. But, at, like, well, at one point they drive by death. a hearse and there's, like, a zombie man with green skin who pops out of the back of it to sing along with them. Well, so. I've always assumed that Pete was part of the mob. Okay, I could see that. Because he's not very good at his job. If his so career is just the front for his mob activities, is I is a front it. to a mob? Yes. Yeah. Anything can be the front to a mob. And Goofy Mattress is <laughs> somehow going to get sucked into it? Yeah. Based on what you there. saw in Pete's job performance, do you think he's making good money? Do you think he can like, afford the RV that he has uh, in this movie? And and in the TV show, he they always have gadgets. They're very rich. I... I have not watched that TV. I did watch the TV show back then. I haven't watched it recently. But, like, they were always, like, PJ always had the cool stuff that Max wanted and was like, oh, I don't get that stuff because, but, like, it was always, like. That explains so much because it didn't make sense to me why Pete was always angry with Goofy for Goofy being good at his job. Obviously, Pete is jealous with Goofy's ability with children and getting them to be able to take a photo. But also if, like, if it is a front and they don't want to, like, get too much attention on the store. Don't be good at your job. Just do mediocre and keep your head down. Right. And I could totally see Goofy not grokking that this is a clandestine organization and just, like... (laughs) Oh, I work as a photo guy. He wasn't supposed to get a job there. He just kind of ended up asked, like, just seriously putting an application there, having no idea what he was doing, and then just somehow got stuck there. And they're like, we can't fire him. We don't know how to fire him. That's their way of proving that it's a legitimate company, (laughs) is having some random outsider there. This guy isn't related to any of us. It's It's totally normal. It's plausible deniability. You get one person who is completely sincere. But that, I mean, going back to Carl's point from before, Goofy is Goofy. He's not the smartest guy, but this movie proves that he has real emotions and thoughts that just don't get accepted. He's just very clumsy and, and... Like, the conversation he has with Pete in regards to, like, their differences in how they decide to raise children... That's way deeper than mm-hmm. Goofy has ever been in any other property. And then, like, 
the conversation that Goofy has with Max when, like, they finally get into it and have a conversation, that's a deep conversation that fathers have with teenage boys where teenage boys are growing up and becoming men. They're not kids anymore, but they're still the father's sons, and they want to be there for them. Uh, I was just completely blindsided by the emotional moments, probably because of my Were, were people cutting onions at your house? <laughs> I, I didn't cry, but it did. It hit me really hard because that's not what I know Goofy to be. Yeah. Goofy I know to be sincere, but also like very shallow, where he can be happy one minute, and if he gets mad, he's mad for a little bit, and then he's back to being happy again. But like, Goofy has some deep thoughts in this film. I don't, again, I haven't watched the actual, the TV show in a while, which I think had already been going before the movie came out. I don't remember. So I'd, I don't remember if he had those kind of emotions in the TV show, but then in a 30-minute children's cartoon show, they don't often have big, deep emotions like that, so maybe he wouldn't have anyway. It was kind of surprising just how that hits you out of nowhere sometimes in this movie, and it happened multiple times. Yeah, and you do get to see, like, two different fathering styles in the way that Pete treats his son PJ and the way that Goofy treats Max. Neither one is particularly great for the son at first. But, it's, but it, like, Goofy's proves to be better in the It end. is interesting that they show both sides of it, because when they're out camping and the RV pulls up, Max is so fascinated and was... And, he doesn't say anything, but it's like, oh, I wish Pete was my dad. Look at all the cool stuff that they have and the stuff that they can do together. And in the end, that's not really what proves to be correct. But Right. I am on Max's side here because I do not like camping. And I had a dad who loves camping and loves fishing. I went on fishing trips with him, but I didn't have a good time. Because I liked video games, and I liked movies. And the thing about the outdoors is there's none of that. There's no electronic entertainment in the woods. Just thinking of the irony of you just returning from a camping trip as you're saying how much you hate hey. camping. <laughs> One, I do it now for my dad, because I'm an adult, and I can spend a weekend with my dad camping to make him happy. Two, it's not camping in a tent. My dad has an RV. It, that just brings up another point, that you do it because you are over it and you can make your dad happy, which right. happened a few times in this, which we haven't really gotten to yet. But, you know, later on, Max starts to realize that he wants his dad to be happy too. So even though he's allowed to choose what they're doing on their trip, he starts to see that his dad is not enjoying it and then purposely picks things that he knows he doesn't like but will make his dad happy. Mm -hmm. There's an important moment where, well, when the trip starts out, Goofy lays out this huge cross-country road trip. The map that, as Goofy explains, he and his dad went on before. And he wants to have that same bonding experience with Max. But he doesn't realize that Max very much isn't him. And so, like, the things that Goofy remembers liking, the things that Goofy wants to do on this trip and share with his son, it's not something that his son is interested in. And at a certain point, Goofy hands the map over to Max, is like, you get to decide everything now. And Max chooses things that he likes, but Goofy doesn't. And he realizes that there needs to be a balance there. And, like, 
you related it to my dad and his RV camping trip. And yeah, it's, it's a balance. And when I was a kid, it was so much more about, I don't want my dad to think that I enjoy this because then I, I will keep having to go on these trips. And like, if my dad thinks this is what I'm into, this is all we're ever going to do together. I had something to say and now I forgot. I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> I could find no information on Mrs. Goofy. Oh no. She just doesn't exist. Wait, they is just, Max a Christ child? <laughs> they just, the writers decided to not make any decisions on what happened to her. Did Max spawn from Goofy's forehead? No. I don't think so. I think like there was a Mrs. Goofy. I guess they just decided to not make any background on her, decide how she died, where she huh. went. They're just like, we're just not gonna fill in that character And then they, they pulled a 180 ever. on that when Finding Nemo came out. Yeah. So. But they did not <laughs> decide on this backstory for the movie, for the TV show, for the sequel, in which he gets a new girlfriend. Yeah. Ooh. So like, It's a weird choice to be like, Goofy definitely has a son, but Goofy maybe never had a girlfriend? Like, we're never gonna discuss the dead ex-wife ever? Maybe talking yet... about a dead parent was too emotional now, and they didn't on. want no, kids to have to deal with it. No, because that's literally what classic Disney is built off that's of, true. dead parents. <laughs> now, you said dead ex-wife. If you're married and your wife dies, does she become your well, dead no, ex-wife? or just there's your... no background on it we don't know if she's dead she could have just abandoned the family that's true maybe that's why they don't talk about her i'm just saying even when goofy got a new girlfriend they never discussed what happened to his old one they just decided hey we don't want to think about that we're just not gonna discuss it so, so suddenly i remembered the thing that we were talking thinking about 10 minutes ago so <laughs> this conversation is gonna be bouncing everywhere so you had mentioned about on this road trip, Goofy remembers having all these good times, bonding experience with his father. I'm not a psychology scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I've never claimed to be a psychology scientist. A psychology rocket scientist, surgeon. But I feel like it, after after a time, you start to remember things differently. So it could be that Goofy actually didn't enjoy it at the time when he was a kid, but now having grown up, he remembers all these times that he spent and remembers them as happy times, bonding, like, family experience. And even though Max doesn't necessarily enjoy the same things, he's not the same person that Goofy is now, he he may in the future have the same thing, where he, because after, eventually, he started to enjoy himself, and they kind of had those bonding experiences, so when he grows up, he could remember it the same way. Right, and I think maybe the reason Goofy is so fond of this trip that he took with his father was that the father planned it around things that Goofy would want to do. It could have been just like, this was the best trip we ever took because it was all planned for me and my dad understood who I was and what I enjoyed. That could be also. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just looking through my notes here. The uh, the other... What is that face there? Oh, it's a cat tail. I heard, I heard the meowing. Yeah. I see. Uh, the other note, the other good emotion note in this is when they're, uh, stuck in the car together for a reason we need to get to. <laughs> uh, and they talk about the high dad soup. Ugh. Uh, where basically it's alphabet soup, but they can't use that name for whatever reason. Maybe it's copyright. 
But apparently when Max was a kid, he used to, like, make little messages in the suit for his dad. And his dad brings this up, and Max doesn't remember it. Like, that's a part of his childhood that has faded into memory, even though it's one of Goofy's favorite memories of his kid. And just like, oh, that hits so hard because it is so true to life. In that the the important memories that a, a parent has of their child growing up aren't necessarily the thing that the child is going to remember. Or can remember, because children's brains are mush. Yeah, but like, as they go to sleep that night, Max hands him the the cup of soup he just drank, and Goofy looks into it, and it says, Hi, Dad, in it. And it's just, oh. Radiators, I told you, sad soup! <laughs> yeah, sad soup. <laughs> I said that when I said we were doing this movie, and you guys are yeah. like, I don't remember anything, and I'm like, you I don't forgot it. sad soup? I don't Sarah, you said you sad soup. That. I would love to have heard it as, like, alphabet soup or hi, dad soup. No, I think the film said, references. No, I said sad soup because sad soup. Now, do we need to get into the reason that they were trapped in the car? Yeah, because it's strange. Oh. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> well, Goofy was trying to teach his son the perfect cast while fishing. And naturally, since it's Goofy, when he flings it backwards over his head, he steals Pete's pork chop off the grill and flings it out across the <laughs> pork chop or steak, whatever it was. And I do want to point out, before I'm not going to do the reveal, I'll let you have the reveal. I do want to point out, Goofy displaying the perfect cast, he doesn't get it in the water. Yep. He's, he's clearly casting for fish, and he does his quote-unquote perfect cast, and it's terrible. Yeah, he, he, so he throws it over his head backwards, catches whatever off the grill, flings it forward, and completely throws it over the lake to the other side, where this bait lands on the ground in a giant footprint. And then a creature walks up, and who's chewing on a log for some reason, and says, Mmm, meat, and picks up the meat instead, and then they catch it, reel him in, and find out that it's Bigfoot that they caught somehow. Well, then that's Bigfoot chases them, and they lock themselves in the car, but don't have the keys so they can't drive away the end <laughs> knowing this is a society where everyone's a humanoid animal or an animal humanoid bigfoot is probably some just nudist hippie that's lost <laughs> human skills living in the woods like some some libertarian nudist that was just not dealing with people but in the conversation that goofy and max have they acknowledge that bigfoot is a cryptid in this thing, and that having footage of Bigfoot means that they're gonna get rich for whatever reason. Cryptids can still exist. He probably just isn't Bigfoot. They think he's Bigfoot, but that guy's probably just I some see. sort of large wilderness nudist. One thing that I loved, which I hope was on purpose, but I don't know for sure, is how he's trying to videotape this and Bigfoot is too close to him, and he can't see it very well, and he says, Oh, Mr. Foot, could you step back, please? You're too blurry. And I feel like that was a reference pointing to how all of the video evidence you get of Bigfoot is never in focus, or something that uh, people can just, actually see. I'm so. going to say that with quotes, uh, Bigfoot evidence. <laughs> so, I... <laughs> I just thought that was really funny because they also made a joke about that on Futurama, which I loved. But um... yeah, it's it's so weird to me that this film creates a world where Bigfoot exists and that is not the focus of the film. And like they abandon it in like 10 minutes. 
They see Bigfoot. They get trapped by Bigfoot. They escape Bigfoot. Bigfoot is never acknowledged. I again. guess they just needed an excuse to make them have a sit-down talk in the car where they couldn't escape each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think the reason they're there is uh, they were camping. Bigfoot comes. They run to the car. And Goofy has left the keys of the car in all of their stuff that Bigfoot starts tearing through. They don't really say how they get out of that, do they? Because then they fall asleep and Bigfoot's on the roof of their car. I don't remember how they got the keys back. Maybe he just wandered away in the morning or something? Because that was when Max tried to write a letter to Roxanne and explain that he lied, but then he didn't like it. Right. So... And that's also where Max changes the map. Yeah, so he gave up on trying to confess and instead tried to keep lying. I'm looking at it right now because I take notes of the plot so I don't have to watch the movie again. It literally goes from Max writing a letter to Roxanne, trying to explain, tearing it up, throwing it out into the wind. The next day, they're at a truck stop. So it goes from them being trapped by Bigfoot to them just being fine the next morning. That reminded me of something that we skipped over a long time ago. There's one scene that... I don't know if this was an edit specifically for modern audiences or something, or if I'm just making this up in my head. They're at the beginning, when they're trying to, when he's trying to convince Max to get in the car to go on the vacation, he's talking about all the family trips he took, and it's what look how I turned out. And then he stands up all proud with his arms up, and for like a split second, you see his pants kind of dip down, and he has heart underwear boxers on, like they do in cartoons. And then it cuts away to Max making a face saying, that's great, Dad. And to me, that is the perfect cartoon opportunity for his pants to fall down and see his underwear and be like a joke. But it didn't happen in the version that I watched on Disney+. Plus. So I'm wondering if that was an original thing that they edited out. Maybe it never happened. But to me, that just seems like the gag that they would use in a cartoon to make kids laugh. But it may not have ever actually been a thing, but since you see, like, just the top of his boxer's underwear, and they never actually show the rest of it, it makes me wonder if that was ever in there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just sent you something in the chat of something that I, uh, another cartoon reference I found when rewatching the, um, the music scenes in this movie earlier today. Because uh, there's a lot of this in the film where, like, things in the background will be Disney-themed. It's very rewarding for an animator or repeat watcher. The one I just sent you is on stage during his first performance. In the background, they have like cardboard cutouts or something for a stage production that's going on at the school. And you can clearly see that it's a pirate ship. And on top of this pirate ship, it's clearly aerial, uh, made in wood, but not acknowledged by the any characters in the film. What I think is interesting is that Max has a Mickey Mouse telephone in his bedroom. Yeah, where that's Mickey weird. Mouse is a real person in their Right, in it's their a person world. he knows. Like a character. He's... Mickey Mouse is practically his uncle. Yeah. He has a phone of his uncle in his room. Well, but Mickey Mouse is never really referred to within the Goofy universe, is he? He's in this movie. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> in so in this when they're getting ready for the road trip Goofy says, "I." Uh, Max says to Goofy, have fun on your trip, Dad. Goofy responds, oh, it's not just a trip for me, it's a trip for me and my best friend. Max says, oh, do you mean Mickey mm -hmm. or Donald? I mean, like, they refer to it, that, but, like, those characters never show up within, like, physically. 
is what I mean. Right, right, right. So, like, they're talked about as being family friends, yeah. but they aren't the focus of the film. Because yeah. they never show in person in the TV show either, I don't think. They were part of that song at the beginning. Like, they right. were there. I think if you brought side, Mickey into, but... like, Goofy's TV show, this movie, Mickey is the focus because he's the mascot of Disney. Maybe Mickey is the Walt Disney of Disney. The... But you know what? They also know who Walt Disney is because they're it's playing true. 20 questions later and that was one of the clues because they said Maybe it's a man who Walt was Disney Walt Disney. is the Mickey. Maybe instead of okay. humanoid animals, they have just humans. Well, then Max should have a phone a themed phone. after Walt Disney and not his <laughs> Uncle Mickey. But maybe like Mickey's like a, a super famous actor... He has like TV shows, and so it's like having like that. Also means Brad that Pitt that Darkwing Duck is somewhere in this universe because Probably. he is he is related to Donald, who they know in this movie. But but maybe Darkwing Duck's not like Darkwing Duck. Maybe he's just like like a character actor. Maybe he's just like the Batman. Maybe it's maybe it's just Donald in costume. But he have you ever seen Darkwing Duck? <laughs> I'm just saying with this universe isn't Universe A. This is like Universe oh, I B. See. Where things are kind of different. Like, Mickey isn't just Mickey doing stuff. Mickey's just, like, a famous actor who plays the characters that Mickey is in Universe A. Whereas, like... So, Max owning a Mickey phone would be like me owning, like, a Tom Cruise phone. Yes. And so, the other duck characters, like, is, like, characters Donald plays or, like is like a cousin of Donald's plays like Batman on TV or something. So you're saying Darkwing Duck is a character in a movie in this universe played by Donald who is a or, real person. Or a relative of Donald's or something. Because this is Universe B, where all of those things that are just like normal things in Universe A are actually just like TV shows or like fictional things. Like se- uh, episode of Supernatural where they somehow jumped to the other universe where they were yes. just actors. <laughs> yes. So Mickey exists, but, like, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, he, like, goes to work and he does Mickey Mouse Clubhouse one day. Or he has, like, like fairy tale adventures the other day. And he has, he's like the Ryan Seacrest. He has a million different <laughs> TV shows. And then does a podcast. Yeah, of course. He's hosting everything. And, boy, I hate Ryan Seacrest. Mickey Mouse would definitely be the Ryan Seacrest. He would be on, like, 12 different TV shows. Yeah. Hmm. I guess my relation to this separate universe, Mario is definitely the Ryan Seacrest because he just does everything in every game. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about Mario Mario. We're talking about Mickey Mouse. Not Daisy from Mario. <laughs> I thought we were talking about Goofy. Well, yes, we're talking about Mickey Mouse <laughs> Goofy universe. Let's see. Where do we go? So Max changes the map. That little mermaid dog is terrifying. Huh? Mermaid dog. Sorry, I was just looking is at the- Is it a dog? It's definitely a dog. Is it? It looks like Roxanne's face. It does look like Roxanne. Okay. Because some of the dogs in this have, like, the, the clear snout. Roxanne doesn't. They made her a much cuter dog Maybe type. it's a leftover prop of... from when their school did the production of The Little Mermaid. But that is true <laughs> to the, like, 1950s, 1960s cartoons. Because the original Mrs. Goofy who I think at that point still had the original last name of Mrs. Geef? Geff? Yeah. Uh, looked less doggy than, uh, less doggy. than Goofy. <laughs> doggy. I will find a picture. But female dogs within the Goofy universe always looked a little more human. 
that would make sense in why Roxanne looks nothing like her father. Because, like, the other families we see in this, the sons very closely resemble their father. Uh, which, I guess, it's the difference in gender of why Roxanne's dad looks like a buzz-cut military bulldog. And Roxanne doesn't look anything like that. Anywho. Uh, so we got to uh, Max changing the map of the car. And this is where Marcus talked about the the montage we see of Max doing all the things that Max wants to do. But we see that Goofy is having no fun at any of these. Oh yeah, and also this, oh, there's this great father-son bonding moment during this uh, montage where they just change a tire together. And it's so simple, but it's one of those things where, like, it gets interspersed with, like, all of their adventures. And it shows that, like, they're both working together to make the road trip work. And it's visualized in this montage of them both fixing the car together. Uh, just wonderful symbolism. I don't know why that, the way you just said wonderful symbolism. Wonderful symbolism. <laughs> There's a word for that, which is escaping me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something about symbolism, but there's a specific word for it. I thought one of you would know it and jump in, but nobody said anything, so we'll just edit that out. Hey, I said wonderful symbolism because that's what I thought the phrase was. <laughs> Anywho, but they this is where they, at the end of this montage, they get to a hotel where they meet up with Pete and PJ again. And this is where they have this really in-depth talk between Pete and Goofy about raising their kids. Where they're both single dads, they both have a son the same age, and Pete is very much of the opinion that sons should be subservient to the father. And late in life, that is going to shoot him in the foot, because PJ is so much, or is so scared of his dad that he's afraid to do anything. He's afraid to live his own life and, like, become an actual person because he's so scared of what his dad might think of it. He's so scared of being yelled at by his dad. Allegory. So, like, he's <laughs> allegory. He's just waiting for the next command from his dad and not taking any action himself. And Pete tries to tell this to Goofy. It's just like, well, you need to put your foot your foot down. Put your foot down, Goof. Uh, <laughs> put your foot down, Goof. They're not Canadian. Keep uh, but, him under your thumb, I think. Is yes, exactly. Thing. Where Goofy needs to have a more heavy hand with Max, or Max is going to have to end up in jail. Uh, and while they're in the hot tub at this hotel, Goofy tells Pete, well, I tried everything you said, and it didn't really work for me. And now I've, I have a much lighter hand. I needed to back off. And now we're getting along great. And Pete tries to convince Goof in his bully manner that he's doing everything wrong. And Goof has this line about Max that it's another hard-hitting emotional moment where he says, Max may not be everything you think a son should be, but he loves me. And like, oh, goddamn. <laughs> like, that's all Goofy needs from Max is the love of his son. He doesn't need him to be anything else. And that's is beautiful. And more than I was expecting for this film. But that that's also the scene where where Pete overhears the kids talking and finds out that Max altered the map. So he gives away that secret, and so now Goofy's all upset about it. Yeah, Goofy tries very hard not to give in to temptation and trust in his son. And he goes out to his car and, like, 
he debates opening the glove box, looking at the map, and I think he gives up on it, but then, like, the glove box opens on its own, and he sees the map anyways. Sad goofy. I know. And then the next day, there, Max is trying to play games with his dad, and Goofy is just not having it. But, like, Goofy keeps putting on the pressure. Well, <laughs> there's this non-realistic highway <laughs> where to the right is L.A., where the concert is. Concert no, is. No, um, no. To the no? right was fishing, I think. The left was L.A. Okay, whatever. But there's a clear fork in the road between what Max wants to do and what Goofy has been traveling all this time to. And Goofy knows the math has changed. But he forces Max to make the choice, hoping that Max will choose the fishing trip. But under pressure, Max doesn't, and it breaks Goofy's heart. <laughs> sad Goofy. Is this better or worse than Sad Soup? Uh, sad worse. Soup is Sad Goofy. No, Sad, sad, sad soup, soup is Happy, is happy Goofy. Because <laughs> it's emotional soup, but Goofy is happy because Max is reaching out to him again. But when when Max didn't remember the Sad Soup, that was Sad Goofy. I see. Uh, but this is, this is where Goofy and Max have an argument that results in them losing their car, where, uh, again, emotional lies between the two of them, where Max is like, you ruin everything. Goofy responds, well, you ruined my vacation. Uh, and Max says, I'm not your little boy anymore. Goofy responds, no matter how big you get, you'll always be my son. It's just like, damn, <laughs> damn, Goof. As much as I, have always thought of Goofy being kind of aloof and not really in touch with anything that's going on and kind of oblivious to the thoughts and emotions of everyone around us, around him anyway. He is a good dad. I don't have a lot to say about that, <laughs> but yes, I agree. I was constantly speechless with the emotions this movie put forward. Anyway, this is where their car falls down a hill and everything's ruined forever. I should, I don't know if I will say it now or later. Maybe I should save it till the end. I finished watching this movie for the podcast specifically, obviously, and five minutes later texted my parents and told them they should go watch it on Disney Plus because I thought my dad should see it. <laughs> so Yeah, it's not too far away from Father's Day when we are watching this. And, like, it just... Maybe that's why I'm being so sentimental between Goofy and his kid, just because that holiday has come up. But this is where we get the unrealistic physics. I said I was going to mention it. I'm just going to throw it out here. It's cartoon physics, but I want to point it out. Uh, they go over a waterfall. Max gets a parachute. Goofy is falling to his death. Uh, but Max manages to get the fishing pole and does a perfect cast and catches Goofy. And then while falling with a parachute, is able to reel Goofy in and bring Goofy back up to his level and not go closer to him in any sort of way. There might be an updraft there. You don't know. Possibly. <laughs> like I said, I was just going to point out bad physics, but it's also cartoon physics, so who cares? I think early Goofy cartoons were built off bad physics. Though, we have not yet talked about something, I'm sure... I know Sarah was a good too, because I think this is probably why she picked this movie. Is it Powerline? It is the Powerline songs in this film, including the one at the finale. Uh, the one at the finale is my favorite. 
I will say, I agree with what Carl said earlier, that I don't remember any of the songs from this movie. Like, I didn't, see it, real I didn't jams. see it as a kid, of course. Eye to but eye. But having watching it twice in the past week, and I still don't remember any of them. <laughs> so. Eye to Eye has been my jam for 20 years. 25 years. There are good songs. I just wouldn't be able to remember any of the lyrics or the tunes afterwards. The first one is good, but not as good as I Die. They saved the best song for the finale. And like, Sarah, you posted something in the chat earlier of like, it was a TikTok of a guy pretending he was the producer for this music. Yeah. And like, just being like, okay, we just need a simple song. It's a kid's movie. Let's just knock it out. And then like, the drums come in. And then the synth piano. And then like, the guitar solo. And then the actual R&B singer. Um, part of the reason I picked this movie is because for some reason on TikTok lately, there has been an abundance of Powerline related TikToks. Just a bunch of people dressing up like Powerline and doing dances to the, mostly eye to eye, but like full with the weird neck thing and the like badge on the chest and the hair and everything, and I'm just like, I need to do, I need to do Goofy movie. I need to bring back the power line. Everyone else is bringing back power line. I need to do it too. Yeah. So Max and Goofy break into this concert yep. uh, because they have a conversation. Goofy now wants to support Max in his lie. For whatever reason, he's okay with it now because it might help you get a girl, so it's fine for you to have lied to everyone. So you were just acting like this and getting trouble in school because you were attracted to a girl. No problem. I can help you with that. It's a good life lesson as a dad. It's fine. Just keep lying and maybe it will work out. We don't know the background on him and, and Mrs. Goof. Maybe their romance involved a really elaborate lie. Anyway, so through a series of mishaps, they both end up on stage. And I love Powerline's professionalism in this moment, where, like, Goofy stumbles on stage, and Powerline just kind of, like, looks at him as if to say, what are you doing here? This is my finale. You shouldn't be here. And then Goofy does the perfect cast, and Powerline's just like, all right, I like that choreography. Let's go. And he just, like, he goes with the moment and makes the most of it. I'm sure that would happen at any concert now. Powerline's a If some dude. random person just showed up on stage and started dancing, nothing would ever happen from that. No, not at all. Especially if security guards were already after these people. Well, and then while Max is escaping the security guard, he definitely gets electrocuted to death when he smashes into a sign, so... Yep, somebody definitely dies in this film. <laughs> well, two people. We mentioned the guy in the trunk earlier. He's fine. He's totally fine. Oh, but the way that they animate, so like, all the friends are watching this, and like, we see everyone's reaction to seeing Max on stage, and his, the people at home have been watching the concert, it's like, well, the goof kid isn't there, and then we get to see all their reactions when he is actually there. Although he told them he would be in the finale, so they shouldn't have been surprised through the rest of the concert. But the song had already started, Mark. That's the thing. Anyway, but I love that the way that they animate Roxanne's attraction to Max. Because it is such, like, a simple thing, but it is so adorable in the way they animate it. Where the way that we see Roxanne showing affection 
is she's sitting on the ground, she's hugging her knees, and she just, like, slowly smiles to herself. And it's just, it's really good animation, because, like, it just, it conveys the the emotion perfectly, and it is adorable to see that this little, I say little, this teenage girl, I'm 30, she's little to me. You're not 30. I'm 33, shut up. (laughs) I'm the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, uh, but like this child to me expressing ex- affection in a very sincere and naive way, let's say. She's but like now, an anime this, this, character. This, this just goes back to is does she like him or now is she? I'm, I'm only interested because you were able to get on stage with this. Oh rock no! Star. Well, I think she likes him in this moment because she was doubting whether or not he lied to her, and this proves to her. No, Max was telling me the truth the whole time. But he wasn't. Correct. And he comes but clean she later. But know that. But in this moment. moment, she's like, oh my god, I, I'm so sorry I doubted him. He was, he really does like me. That, that's cute girl anime action. That, that's just like the, the hugging and the smiling and the, oh, I'm a cute anime girl. But I'm actually a little dog girl. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> little dog girl is cute anime girl. It's fair. Though a lot of anime girls are cat girls. That is true. That's true. Anyway, so we've gotten through the Powerline concert. I mean, that is basically the finale. All we have left is the denouement, uh, where Max comes home for the trip, comes clean with Roxanne, and, like, Roxanne explains he didn't need to do all that. She was already into him before he even performed. And then Goofy's car explodes. <laughs> there's this, there's this moment where we don't know what's happened to Goofy. The car explodes and all we see is Goofy's boots, suggesting that Goofy has vaporized because of this explosion. <laughs> but it's a cartoon, so you know he hasn't. And then he, he crashes through Roxanne's roof, and Max, after bonding with his father, just like, hey, Roxanne, this is this is my dad. He just introduces him in a very genuine and nice way, instead of being embarrassed by his father's antics, showing that his character has grown. I'm just wondering... Maybe he has a different girlfriend in the sequel because the father has to pay to fix his roof now and is so <laughs> upset with them. that. <laughs> oh, does he have a different girl in the, a very, what was That's the other what, one? A very Sarah, goofy Sarah, an extremely goofy movie. There we Things go. Things I remember about that movie, Goofy gets a girlfriend, they both go to college, at one point Goofy's wearing an afro, and there's a skateboarding competition? That checks out. You know, this classic college skateboarding competitions, we were all a part that of one, That one I did not watch as many times as the first one. Alrighty. Well, that's everything I had. So, unless you guys have anything more, three, two... Brad Garrett was in the second one! One. Let's go on to games. <laughs> Our first game is the pitch game, a game of the form. It's this meets this, combining two or more things to describe this film. Mark, you are going to start us off here, telling our audience what the Goofy movie is in terms of other things. I think we have discussed this before, but 
I tend to write these down in the order that I think of them as watching the movie. Um, actually, this time I reorganized them a bit afterwards, so Brand it may actually good. make more sense now. <laughs> but Brand we'll see. Um, because this is an animated movie released in 1995... Starting with a panning shot of blue sky with white clouds, a title logo with yellow text set on background of red quadrilateral, a lead character who gets tongue-tied when speaking to his crush, voice acting by Wallace Shawn, and the main theme of overlooking differences while discovering similarities and forming a stronger relationship. I know it. <laughs> you got all Me that too. figured out? Okay. Yep, go on. So, that meets... I want you to know I got that one just from the clouds. Yeah, just from the clouds. That's the very first thought I had, like the first 30 seconds of this. I was like, man, that looks exactly the same. Anyway, that meets a comedy about showing the ups and downs of taking a family vacation, including funny moments, serious moments, and family bonding. Well, the first Hmm. one is obviously Toy Story. And I think I know what the second one is, but I may have also used that for my game. Uh I'm also wondering if it's the one I use. My half a movie. One, two, three, say it at the same time. (laughs) All right. So, Sarah, same time. Three, two, one. National National Lampoon's Vacation. Hooray! That was my half a movie that I couldn't remember. My other half was going to be something about following a pop star, but then I couldn't remember what it was. That was the one I forgot while I went to sleep. Ah, well, Hannah Montana? maybe... Mm. <laughs> no, that she is a pop star. Uh, All right, I'll do this one first. Well, because... do, I need, do I need to Oh yeah, yeah. Do the... clarify? So, for after all the discussion, that was Toy Story meets National Lampoon's Vacation. All right, so I'll do this one first, because I don't think you're going to steal any of my other ones. Uh, but... Since this is a movie where a father plans a cross-country road trip to reconnect with his family, which results in several misadventures due to the father's accident-prone nature, featuring scenes at a theme park and souvenir hats, meets a movie featuring the talents of Wallace Shawn and a son who is embarrassed by his father and tells a lie that spirals out of control and blows up in his face when the truth comes out. Well, the first one is... National Lampoon Vacation. Correct. Other things with Wallace Shawn. Princess Bride. It's not Princess Bride. <laughs> clueless. It's not Clueless. This is a movie that I remember that maybe nobody else will. Uh, in that I don't know if I could even find a Wikipedia summary of this film. Oof. Yeah. So, I thought it was starring Wallace Shawn and Arnold Schwarzenegger. It isn't. Um, it's Wallace Shawn and, like, a Luke Perry lookalike. Who is the Luke Perry lookalike? I'll find it. Hold on. I'm 99% sure I will not know this. So, I think the Luke Perry lookalike is, uh, Nick Cassavetes, or Cassavetes. Though, he wouldn't look like Luke Perry nowadays. He did in this film. So, it's not my dinner with Andre. No. (laughs) And it's not the Henrik Ibsen play, A Master Builder. Nope. Sarah's just Googling Wallace Shawn movies now. Uh-huh. Well, I knew he was in A Master Builder because it's this really stupid Ibsen play. Anyway, I did this one first partially because I didn't think anyone was going to get the second one. And I don't even think it's worth hints because this film is so not well known. 
but it is National Lampoon's Vacation meets Just Like Dad. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> of you course, un- Sarah has seen it. <laughs> You've unlocked a weird memory. Mm, I just I just put the movie poster for the film in our chat. But Just Like Dad is a film where a kid who looks just like a young Wallace Shawn uh, hires another, like a bodybuilder, to be his dad for a field day. And then it spirals out of control because he's told everyone at the school that the bodybuilder is his dad. That was an episode of The Simpsons. I weirdly feel like I've seen this movie. And I don't know why. Anyway, Mark, let's move on to your second one. <gasps> okay. <laughs> I had to remember what my clues were. Uh, this is a Disney movie following the story of a teenage male who is into sports but also loves to sing. He has a love interest but also has to patch up a broken relationship that was his fault. <laughs> Meeting a movie about a father and son learning to love each other despite their differences. After a falling out, the magic of singing brings them closer together and helps them reconnect. Okay, is the first one High School Musical? Correct. Nice. Gotta get that status quo. <laughs> and Sarah just laughs at you. I, I, I'm, I'm so lost on the fact that he got the High School Musical one that I don't even remember what the other thing was. Father and son Father and son. Singing. Yeah, they're trying to reconnect, and singing is a big part of the movie. Hmm. Aladdin 3, Prince of Thieves. No. You're right, I called that Aladdin 2 yesterday, and you're you're correct that it's the third one. It's fine. Father and son singing. Um, Pinocchio. <laughs> no. Uh, it is... Hook. Mostly based sing. around a holiday. Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> no. That's two holidays. The Santa Claus. That's closer. Okay, so Christmas father son singing movie. I probably, oh, is it? I probably, oh, is it Elf? It is. I probably could have used the Santa Claus. How many times are gonna bring up though? Elf? Do I bring it up a lot? I don't know. I think I think it was used in our our last thing. I only know that because I recently put it together. I don't even remember once I finished them. So that was High School Musical meets Elf. All right. So this one uh, has a movie that I think only Sarah will get. Okay. Maybe Mark has seen it, but it's definitely more of a Sarah thing than a Mark thing. Anyway, <clears throat> a Disney movie where a child's antics annoys a man in charge, and they're punished by being forced to travel far from home, eventually sneaking into restricted areas to get the aid of a pop star they idolize. Also featuring music that is catchier than it has any right to be. I know what that is. Neg, uh, and meets a Disney movie where a child and single parent are at odds because they are very different people and the parent can't accept the kid is growing up while the kid can't see the parent as a person with feelings. Featuring the child helping the parent perform on stage, child finding love thanks to an aid from the parent, and both of them bonding by the end of the film. Is it Xenon meets Freaky Friday? It is! I actually, well, I did not know the first one because I've never seen that, but I did know the second one, so. Zoom, zoom, nice. Zoom, make my heart go boom. I had ideas for the first Massive one, but it would not have been Xenon. I have seen all of the Xenon movies. Is there, is there more than two? There's three. Oh. Now Carl has to go watch the third one. Um, I also like Kristen Storms, the actress who plays Xenon, and she's currently on General Hospital. She recently had brain surgery, which was very sad, and I hope she's feeling better and goes back to being on General Hospital. Yeah, I hope she feels better, too. Um, Mark? 
<laughs> that sounded very genuine. Well, I'm looking something up, and I don't have any reference for her past Xenon. Yeah. And, like, I share the sentiment, but I also don't know her. But you also I don't look- watch also- I was also looking up the lyrics to... Um, supernova girl Mm. Uh, because i wanted to sing this part of it but i couldn't remember the words but the part goes interplanetary megastellar hydrostatic there's no gravity between between us our love is automatic automatic. (laughs) i was also that got ruined because i was trying to sing with sarah and there's a delay on the audio and it doesn't work but yes zoom 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 and i go boom boom my supernova Mark, your next one. Okay. Uh, (laughs) This is a movie about two men fixing a broken relationship where they make a scene at a small cafe-style restaurant, fall into a river, and narrowly escape disaster going over a waterfall, and in the end, they learn to understand and appreciate each other. Trains, Mm -hmm. planes, and automobiles. Nope. (laughs) Meeting a Disney property involving a story of spreading love featuring a very popular rock star who uses the magical power of song and dance to save the day. All right, well, the first one is The Emperor's New Groove. And the second one is... Uh, Camp Rock. Hannah Montana. (laughs) No. Neither of those. Uh, Labyrinth. (laughs) It's a Disney property. (laughs) I maybe it could have been done by Disney. It was done by Jim Henson, I did that. It's Jim Henson and Lucasfilms is that right? right. Oh, but well, they did have a. Uh, they both of those things may have had a part in this. Is it like Sesame? Not Sesame Street. Uh, the Muppet movie. No. Muppets go to space. Muppets take Manhattan. It is not a movie per se. The Muppet Show. It was featuring a real life rock star, not just a character. Well, I w- in my defense, The Muppet Show had a lot of cameos by real-life artists. Who was very popular in the 80s and 90s. Prince. It is set in space. Set in space? <laughs> it was directed by Francis oh, Ford oh, Coppola. <laughs> is this Captain oh. EO? Hooray! Well, I wasn't gonna get that. Yep, I didn't think you would. <laughs> Uh, so altogether, that, that was... was altogether Emperor's New Groove meets Captain EO. Weird. All right, my final one here. We'll see how easy this one is to get. But since this is a cartoon featuring Goofy, where he shares the techniques required to become an expert angler, and a movie where a son is forced to go on a cross-country road trip with their single parent who interferes with their romantic relationships. They head to the west coast of America, disagreeing along the way, but eventually coming closer together. So, it's the short, goofy how to fish, or something? <laughs> how to fish with Goofy, correct. Yes. Um, something about traveling across the country with your parents. Mm-hmm. Let's see, the title of the movie is... Oh, it's a term for something where you are emotionally manipulated into doing something. Come on, Sarah, you know terms. <laughs> Blackmail. Uh. Kinda. It's kinda, but like, if a family did it. Guilt Trip. It's Guilt Trip. That terrible film sorry, what, Barbara Streisand? Oh, with Seth, Seth Rogen? Yeah. <laughs> so, that was How to Fish with Goofy meets Guilt Trip. Hmm. Alright, Mark, your final one. 
It's great that I've seen all these shorts and know the names of them almost. <laughs> Uh, the last one. An animated movie involving a long journey, fixing a father-son relationship, and other fathers offering advice on how to be a parent. And a property featuring an intelligent and spunky teenage girl wearing a big sun hat with a flower on it. Blossom. Is it Blossom? <laughs> and? <laughs> uh, so what? Animated dads talking about being good dads? Good yes. Dads. Good dads. Finding Nemo. Hooray! Nice. That is Finding Nemo meets Blossom. Somehow. All right. <laughs> Moving on to our second game, which is alternate taglines, a word or phrase you would see in the movie poster for this film, which encapsulates the theme, though possibly misses the point. So, uh, I'm going to start us off here telling our audience the theme of a goofy movie. A goofy movie. If you can't be yourself, just be a celebrity instead. Mark? Uh, a goofy movie. Lies are only lies until you force others to help make them come true. Alright, Sarah, did you have one for this? I do. A, a goofy movie. An adventure to help us see eye to eye. I knew it was gonna happen sometime. You? Mm. You? I mean, that's not as, that's not the worst button by far. It's not. I actually considered show. doing something like that, but I didn't do it. Well, my second one is a lot like Mark's first. It is simply a goofy movie. If you lie hard enough, eventually it becomes the truth. You know what? That was almost exactly what I wrote, and then I changed it. <laughs> Mine could have actually been the movie poster. Sure. It's true. Oh, I have another one, don't I? A goofy movie. Summer vacation has gone to the dogs. Yep. Thank you for following up Sarah's bad pun with a worse <laughs> pun. My... Last one here. A goofy movie. There's just no escaping becoming your parents. I mean, that's just basically what the movie is about. It's also real life. Everyone becomes their parents in one way or another. I'm slowly becoming my father. My mom's too much nicer than me. <laughs> too much nicer? Uh-huh. Is she also better at English? Probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on to our final game. Uh, which is the TV Guide game uh, description of the plot of the film from a Netflix or a TV Guide, where it is technically correct, though possibly misses the point. Uh, well, you can start us off with this, telling our audience what the plot is of a Goofy movie. <laughs> he needed a wind-up. No, it's not. I'm. These are not very punny this time. Oh, good. <laughs> A rock star foregoes security and continues to entertain the crowd when two non-paying audience members crash his performance and take over the stage. That's fairly accurate. Mm -hmm. My first one. A father and son spend a week traveling across the country to handle a problem that could have been solved with a five-minute conversation. That's also true. Did uh, Sarah didn't have any of these, did she? No, it's back to you. A father takes his son on vacation to restore broken relationship in a place of solitude, but no matter where they go, they keep encountering their nosy neighbors from back home who continue to interfere with their father-son bonding experience. Oh, I kept waiting for a pun. Nope. I thought there was going to be a pun I told line. you, I don't have any of those. <laughs> Get it? A punchline? Uh... I'm sorry. I'll leave. My last one here. A child is punished for making his principal's announcement more entertaining, and Bigfoot is discovered and then completely ignored afterwards. Anyways, that is going to bring us to reviews. 
Starting off, of course, with our infamous potato scale, telling our audience what they can expect to feel when watching this film in terms of our relationships with potatoes. Now, Sarah, if memory serves, you have already picked out your potatoes for this, so while I look up the scale, why don't you share it with our audience? So I had potato ocarina, which meant music was important because I like the music and half of what I remember from this movie is the power line music, so potato ocarina. I had mashed potatoes, which was heartwarming or f like feel good because I think obviously the, the f relationships and family aspect is very important to this movie. And then I had gold potatoes because of the whole ending of him finally getting to fulfill his lie, even if that's probably not a great message, <laughs> but of him and Goofy getting to the stage and being part of the show. There's still something great about that whole, yeah, he's part of the concert. Should he be rewarded for that? Probably not. Is it still a great moment? Yes. He's a champion. He's part of the show. There you go. So a gold mashed potato ocarina. I like that gold potato in our scale says proud. So you are proud of him for fulfilling his lying to someone. Yes, I am. Because <laughs> he, because he did it so well. He went, he went beyond. Because if you're gonna, if you're gonna lie, you better fulfill it to an eleven. And he does. Oh, so I. Uh, this is gonna sound wrong, but I can explain if you all <laughs> stay with me here. <laughs> Okay. This is actually not one that I wrote down, but I almost had hash browns, which on our list is couldn't finish it. Now, the difference here is not the, like, in, in other cases where I couldn't finish it because it was a terrible movie, but this was more in the this was emotional, hard-hitting movie that at some point made me have to walk away from it. But oh, did I, Mark Mark get a little? I actually did did not use that on my scale because I felt other ones were probably a little bit better. But I wanted to put that in there just because. <laughs> Mark got a little. Um, a little emotional. I do agree with Sarah. I had mashed potatoes was the first thing that I wrote down. It was just that again. You because of the emotions and the family aspect of the bonding time and everything turns out okay in the end. It's that homey, heartwarming feeling. I actually put Five Guys fries on this one. Um, I think maybe it's because we've been watching some not great movies lately, but <laughs> but this one was way up there for me. I think, again, I also hadn't seen it as a kid, so for me this was a brand new experience, and I think it had, I mean, it has cartoon physics and whatever other issues Carl wanted to point out earlier, but for me it was probably very top tier it has the emotions but it also involves stuff that both the parents and the children can relate to which leads to my next potato which was potato casserole which had layers for all audiences because i think anybody watching it can find something in there to relate to um which to me just makes it that much better of a movie because that means it's kind of the timeless classic that everyone will be able to watch and enjoy it won't be something that's stuck in a certain time period so the end <laughs> mashed five guys fries casserole 
Great. Uh, so I've said it before, and I'll say it again here. To your point, the thing, the mark of a good children's film is that when you watch it as a child, you side with the children. And when you watch it as an adult, you side with the adults in the film. So, like, nobody's the villain. There's just different viewpoints that you side with in different times of your life. So, in that regard, I'm probably going to be a combination of your two reviews. I agree with Sarah that the with the potato ocarina. Potato. Potato ocarina. Which is that the music makes the movie. Like, this, oh, man. If... Powerline song wasn't as good as it is in this film. Like, I, the finale could have fallen flat. But, like, it is a, just, just a jam. Just a great song. Uh, and, like, it works so well in this film. Uh, second one I had was, uh, Steak and Shake. Like, I would have given it a five guys if this was something that I, like, I remembered being a movie I loved as a kid. I remember seeing it, but it wasn't my favorite. I recognize that it's a great film, but as far as what I can give it for review, it's not a five guys because it's not, it doesn't hold a place in my heart. But recognize it's great, give it a steak and shake, which is kind of like a second place potato. And finally, I've added a potato to our scale, which is a potato gun. Because uh, this movie shoots you in the heart with emotions. <laughs> I have mentioned some of the lines were especially hard hitting, and like it's a it's a tricky thing to do because a lot of a lot of films will try to force those moments in and make you feel something that is disingenuine or like they try to twist your emotions, but you can tell that they're trying to manipulate you, and so it doesn't work. This film doesn't do that. Like, the emotional notes are true to the characters in the moment. Nothing is being facetious or faked. Like, these are genuine emotions that people have, and, like, it's true to the situation that they set up. And so, like, it works. Like, it hurt. It hurt watching this. It shot me in the heart. And so I think Potato Gun is a pretty good representation of that. Sorry, Carl's background's freaking me out. Is it that my dog keeps facing in and out of existence? Yeah. All right, let me see if I can fix that for you. So what I... (laughs) I see where you're coming from with the music, but... And I almost put that... That was another one that I had considered. I guess for me, it wasn't... Again, I had not watched it as a kid, but I've watched it twice this week, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and I still probably can't remember any of the lyrics of the song. If I heard it playing, I would probably recognize the tune. But I understood that to be as the music makes the movie and it wouldn't be good without it. And I felt like the emotional stuff in this movie was more important than the music in my mind. So you are so you are correct. We initially started Potato Ocarina because uh, I think it was a film where only the music. Right. Uh, but as in all of our potatoes, it has changed meaning uh, over time. Like, I think Lost in Translation was initially meant to, like, as or something translated or, like, a traditional Japanese story put in an American setting and it didn't quite work. Whereas now I've used that a couple of times to mean, like, this made sense in the 70s, but now modern day it doesn't make sense anymore. So I think while the heart of what the meaning is hasn't changed, the meaning has expanded to mean other things. Yeah. I well, so and I, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I'm just saying, personally, the music didn't 
do mean that much to me in this which which i i don't know i guess other the listeners can judge for themselves but i think the music is important Powerline is the it's most very, important character. Very, um, it's it's, it's energetic and catchy music when I'm listening to it, but after the movie, well, like now, I wouldn't be able to tell you what the songs were. So uh, that's because you're a heathen who does not appreciate the pop god that is Powerline. True, and like I want to be clear, Potato Ocarina, the music's great in this, but also it's not the only thing in the film I enjoyed. Yeah, it's got to get pretty high in my scale, which we can get to now, which is. Our second scale, which is a more traditional 0 to 10 scale, telling our audience should they go back and watch this film. 9.25. Hmm. I wouldn't put it quite at perfect, because it's not Muppet Christmas Carol, but I think it's great. I think pretty much everyone will enjoy it. Everyone should listen to Eye to Eye a million times in a row and don't be like Mark. I think it's great. Watch it with your father. Watch it with your family. No, watch it with my father, because my father hates animated films, but... Boo. Now, don't be like Mark could just be the motto for everyday life. It doesn't have to be about this movie. <laughs> but, but watch it with with your parents. Watch it with your children. Watch it with your siblings. Just watch it. I like it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I was thinking nine. That look at the scale, some of the things, I think it's better than some of my nines. And I can't give it a ten for reasons that it wasn't one of my childhood favorites. It's a great film. Uh, but I think I'm going to end up at just a balance of those two, a 9.5. Wonderful film. Obviously, if this is one of your childhood favorites, you would give it a 10. But since it wasn't one of mine, it gets a 9.5. I am right there. The first thing I had written down was 9.5, and then I debated and changed it to a 10, and then I debated some more and brought it back down again. So, (laughs) I, um... It was hard to place it, but it's somewhere way up there on the scale. I think there are a few reasons that it may not be the perfect film, but it's definitely something that you will enjoy watching and you'll get something out of it, even if you don't have the emotional impact like Carl and I did, (coughs) Sarah. So... (laughs) I gave it a mashed potatoes! Uh, So... What is this? I don't know. I don't know what this attack is. I don't know. She just didn't talk about the emotions like we did, so maybe I... Maybe maybe she didn't get into father-son bonding, because she's neither a father nor a son. This is true. That's also true. Maybe I just had a normal, good relationship with my father and didn't need to rebond with him. That that could also be... Maybe also, my father and I, neither one of us were into fishing or camping, and we didn't go out to nature. But what I noticed is that I had Poltergeist as a 9.5, and I would probably watch this one again before I would watch that one again. My father will watch Poltergeist with me. So I ended up with this one 9.75, just to put it a little bit higher than that, but not perfect. (laughs) My father saw Poltergeist in theaters. He and my mom went to it on a date. (laughs) The perfect date. They saw He saw a worse movie on a date once, Um, but they went and saw it in previews. Oh, wow. Yeah, they enjoyed it. Alrighty, so that is going to close out reviews. Sarah, can you tell our audience where they can find us online should they choose to do so? I can this time. You can find us at retrograding.fireside.fm. You can find us at Facebook at Retrograding Podcast. You can find each other at Retrograding Party Line. And our music was done by Dominique Barnes. 
who continues to be great. I was trying to come up with a lesson, and I got one, but it's not great. For our audience, this is something I created up literally 10 seconds ago, because I never prepare this, and then I forget it's going to happen, and then it happens every time. Is it just tell your dad you love him? I mean, that's great. Uh, I was going to say... Hi, Dad Soup. Let me say... Oh, Mm. Uh, uh, let's see so guys I learned something today there's an important moment in this film when everything is going wrong and things go from bad to worse pretty darn quickly now things work out in the end because it's a movie but also their vacation is very much ruined after this moment and the lesson it's just a practical lesson it's not funny just remember to put the parking brake on (laughs) Uh, and that's gonna close out this film. We will catch you guys next time. <laughs>